I'm excited to be back up on this platform today. It's been months since we have been up here to share the message with all of you. And we have some people in the seats today. That's an amazing thing. It is so great not to be alone in here. We are slowly working our way back to having in-person gatherings right here on our Cleves campus. And today we have some of our staff and their families in the room as we prepare to open our doors to get ready for all of you on July 26th. If you haven't already, mark your calendars and get ready to come back together to worship at our Cleves campus at the end of July. We'll be gathering here. We'll be adhering to social distancing policies and guidelines to keep everyone safe. And as we begin these in-person gatherings, uh, for those of you who are ready to come back, please get ready for the 26th. Now, for some of you who may not be comfortable uh, to come back together in a large gathering like this, uh, we have some other opportunities for you if you would like to worship in a smaller gathering. Uh, beginning today, we are starting our watch parties. Watch parties are small gatherings of people, roughly 10 or so, and, and they're gathering together in a home. They're gathering to share food, to watch our online worship experience, Experience, and then to chat about what they shared that day. And if you'd like to know more about that, please check out the information that's on the screen right now. There are lots of exciting things happening this month of July. And today we are starting a brand new teaching series called The Good News Tour. We're excited about that. Over the next six weeks, we'll be finding, sharing, and creating good news in our communities in the name of Jesus. Um, over the next six weeks, we're going to be exploring like how Jesus showed up, went on this tour all throughout the region, and because what we've realized is that with everything going on in our world right now, we could all use some good news. Amen? Amen. In the Gospel of John, we find these words of Jesus. This is John 10.10. Jesus says this, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And that is really good news that that's why Jesus came, right? That, that Jesus, he didn't come to make us miserable. He, he didn't come to condemn us. He didn't come to fill us with guilt and shame. He came so that we may have life and live it to the full, a full life, a rich life, a life that overflows with blessings and favor and love and grace, compassion and mercy, not a perfect life. Not a life free of suffering, but a life that is filled with joy no matter what the season or circumstance. And that's good news. It's really good news. During Jesus' earthly ministry, he traveled up and down the coastline of the Mediterranean Sea, and he was the first celebrity preacher in Israel, dad jokes, making tour stops in all the big cities and the small cities in between. Everywhere Jesus traveled, he brought good news with him, and I believe that that is what we are called to do as his followers, that wherever we go, we bring good news. 
And over the next six weeks, we're going to be talking and looking at these areas of where does good news show up as Jesus identifies six different tour stops for us in our relationships, in our interruptions, in our bad news, in our return, and in our future. And I want all of us throughout these six weeks to wrestle with these two questions, regardless of which tour stop we may be on. What kind of news do I bring when I step into a moment? Hey, I'll take it. What kind of news do I represent? So today, our first stop on the good news tour is relationships. Do we bring, share, and create good news in relationships that are in our lives? I'm going to be in the book of John chapter 4 if you want to follow along. And and now many, 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 many moons ago when I was much younger and I had a full head of hair, I was blessed with the opportunity to be able to travel all across North America and perform in different Broadway shows. And we travel to all these cities and all across the U.S. and Canada and cities like Chicago and Miami and Los Angeles and Charlotte and Cincinnati and amazing cities with these incredible theaters like the Arnoff Center. But I also got to perform in smaller cities, in smaller markets, in between the big cities, cities like Toledo, Ohio, or Greeley, Colorado, or Peoria, Illinois. And we would ask ourselves on tour questions like, why in the world are we going to Peoria, Illinois. (laughs) What good has ever come from Peoria? And we never really understood the rhyme or reason of our tour schedule. We just knew that whatever city we're going to, whatever our next stop on the tour was, we were supposed to show up and do our thing. In John chapter 4, Jesus is about to make a tour stop in a city that doesn't make any sense. Not at first glance. But like always, Jesus shows up and does his Jesus thing. We read in the text that Jesus is on his way to Galilee, but he decides to make a tour stop in Samaria. And this is not a normal place for a Jew to go. There's serious history and racial tension between Jews and Samaritans. Jews would go out of their way to make sure they would never have to go through Samaria. Centuries before Jesus goes to Samaria on this tour, the northern kingdom of Israel was defeated in battle by the Assyrians. As a result, the Assyrians brought in foreigners to help settle the land and and keep the peace. And in time, these foreigners and the remaining Jews in Samaria, they began to intermingle. And they created a mixed race. This mixed race was seen as impure and was hated by pure Jews. And so the fact that Jesus makes it a point to go to Samaria is surprising to say the least because of the centuries of hatred between these two races. But he does this on purpose. Listen, Everything that he did is on purpose. Everything that he does is on purpose. In John 4, verse 4, he says this. He says, he had to go through Samaria on the way. He had to go. 
That's not true. You know what I mean? Not from a Google Maps perspective. But he had to go. Well, why? Why did he have to go to Samaria? Why would he go out of his way to Samaria where a Jewish person would not normally go? Why would God go where he's least expected? Because that's who our God is. He shows up in the most unsuspecting ways in most unsuspecting places. Do you ever wonder why God would bother with someone like you? With all the stuff in your past? Have you ever asked the question, why me, God? Parents, have you ever asked, why me? Like, why would you call me to raise a kid when most of the time I still feel like a kid? This tour stop in Samaria is fascinating. Not just because he's going to Samaria, but, but once he gets there, he, he just sits down. And he waits by a well for a woman. This is verse 5. It says, eventually, Jesus, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew. I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Now, let me, let me share a little bit about this woman. She, she's coming out in the middle of the day, noontime. The only reason you would go to the well in the middle of a day in this hot climate is so nobody else would see you there. So no one else would be there because you're ashamed to be seen in public. She's going out in the middle of the day to get some water at a time when she doesn't think anybody else will see her because she's thirsty. Not just thirsty for water. She's thirsty in the urban dictionary type of the thirsty. She's, she's thirsty. She's eager for something. She's eager for a relationship. She's eager for intimacy, for, for compliments, for, for attention, for validation, for success, for status. She's thirsty. But Jesus sits at the well, goes where no good rabbi should go by himself because his boys left him and went to Skyline without him. And he's waiting for this woman because this woman is the next stop on his good news tour. He's here for her. This moment is on purpose. He's going to use this moment at this well with this woman to show the world what good news looks like and who it is for. 
Jesus, the living water, sees this woman coming, knows what kind of life she's been living, knows what kind of life she is lived, and yet he doesn't say anything about that at first. He doesn't lead with that. Look, look at his approach. How do we choose to interact with people that are living in a way that is different than us? Our approach is everything. Grace comes before truth. We have to earn the right to be heard, earn the right to speak truth in the context of relationship. This is what Jesus does with this woman that we're meeting. Isn't that good news? Good news for all of us. Good news that our calling, that our purpose isn't based on perfection of our past or present. It's good news that my right now doesn't define my not yet. Hey, it's good news that because of Jesus, our eternity isn't based on religion, but a relationship. It's good news that God chooses beautifully broken people and he uses them to share the good news of the gospel. Jesus sees this woman at the well, knows he's about to turn her life upside down, and so he keeps it all chill, right? He doesn't jump right in. He's like, hey, girl. Can I get a drink? That's how my Bible reads. It's di different. You're like, yeah, well, it's obvious. She, she didn't know what to do with that approach. This guy coming, and he's a Jew, and she, she's, she didn't understand that approach, and so she gets all deep, right? And, and she starts to deflect, because that's what we do when God shows up and starts to speak to a place in our life that we haven't let him in yet. We deflect. When God starts speaking to you, to, you know, we start to like, oh, yeah, sure, Jesus. Yeah, we get all like theoretical and abstract, you know, because to be specific, to actually let him in, to actually deal with the issue, to do that, that requires confrontation, and that's painful. And so she's like, yeah, hey, how is it that you, a Jew, uh, asked for a drink from me, a woman from Samaria? In other words, she's like, I know you're not talking to me. And we do this sometimes, right? Like, you're not talking to me. Like, like right? Like, some of you, you, you know, you listen to, like, me preach and get all loud, and you're, and you're thinking in your head, like, man, I hope my wife is listening to this right now. I'm talking to you, bruh. With your thirsty self. Put down the phone and pay attention to your wife. Everybody watching online, everybody sitting here in this room is thirsty. Thirsty for attention. 
Some of y'all thirsty for validation. Some of y'all thirsty for sex, thirsty for success, thirsty for religion, thirsty for compliments. Every single one of us is thirsty. It's not a sin to be thirsty. It's just where you go to get your fill that determines whether or not your soul will be satisfied. I can't speak for you, but I found out for me there's only one place, there's only one well that I can go to to quench my thirst, and his name is Jesus. So Jesus says, hey, I need a drink. And she's all like, why are you talking to me? Verse 10, Jesus replied, if you only knew... I got to keep going. There's so much there. If you only knew what I'm trying to do to you, right? If I only knew what I'm trying to speak to your heart, if you only knew the plans I have for you, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. Ha, ha, and this well is very deep. Deflect, deflect, deflect. Well, where would you get this living water? Jesus says, I can give you living water. And she's like, yeah, I don't know what to do with that. So I'm going to deflect because, you know, that's what we do when we don't want to face the hard truths in our lives. When we don't actually want to face the thing that keeps us up at night. How many times do we do that? How many times do we deflect, right? God is trying to reveal something to you. He's trying to show you an area of your life where we need to grow in. And so, you know, we take that, you know, and God shows that to us. But we get it and we hear it. And instead of receiving that, we go like, hey, you're especially churchy people, right? We're like, hey, I got, I got a word for you. <laughs> that word isn't for them. It's for you. This woman deflects and she's like, well... Sounds nice, Jesus, but you don't have a bucket. Verse 13, Jesus replies, anyone who drinks from this water, well, they'll soon become thirsty again. But those who drink from the water that I give will never be thirsty again. Because it becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman says, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again. I won't have to come here to get water. Do you hear what she's saying? I won't have to come here. Sir, if there's, if there's some kind of water, if there's some kind of bottomless well, if there's free refills, give me this water so I don't have to keep coming back here. So I won't have to keep making this walk of shame. So I won't have to keep texting that boy. So I don't have to keep killing myself at the office. So I don't have to keep looking for others for my value and validation. So I don't have to keep being so thirsty. Please fill me up with something that will last. In verse 16, Jesus says this. Okay, go get your husband. And the Samaritan woman, she's all like, see, what had happened was, <laughs> I don't have a husband, the woman replied. You know, which is true. 
you, you know, but it's not the whole truth. You know how you know how you do. You know, like, and, and so Jesus said, "Girl, you're right. You don't have a husband. You've had five husbands, and you're not even married to the man that you are living with right now. You certainly spoke the truth." Jesus is trying to tell her, I made this tour stop for you. You. You're why I'm here. To break the cycle of relationships that are leaving you unfulfilled. To break the cycle of trying to find peace and joy in wells that are empty and dry. I'm trying to help you to see that, that you don't have to keep going to people and things and stuff that aren't going to satisfy. I want to give you something that, that can come from within. I want to give you something that, that doesn't depend on bank accounts, that doesn't diminish based on market analysis. No matter how the biopsy comes back, something that, that, that's only going to get stronger in your struggle. I want to give you an unlimited supply. I want to break the cycle of shame that keeps bringing you back to broken relationships that don't deliver. Shame will make you forget who you are and whose you are. And Jesus is trying to break this cycle in all of us. Stop bringing your empty buckets to broken wells. Verse 25, the woman is beginning to grasp the weight of this moment. And she says, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. And when he comes, he's going to explain everything to us. And Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. You've been talking to him this whole time. And just then, his disciples, they came back and they were shocked, shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them, I love it, and none of them had the nerve to speak up and say things like, what do, what do you want with her, Jesus? Why, why are you talking to her, Jesus? They knew better. The woman right then, she left her water jar. She left her bucket beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? And so the people came streaming from the village to see him. And I love that the text shares with us that when Jesus' disciples, they returned, the woman ran to tell everything and everyone about what Jesus did for her. It was a reflex. She was so used to running from people when they came to confront her, and now she's running for a whole other reason. She used to walk with shame, but now she's running with a Savior. Verse 39 says, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman, that woman, because of what she had said, and he, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see me, they, 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 they begged him to stay in the village, and so he did for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. And the people said to the woman, 
Now we believe not, not just because of what you told us, but because we heard it with ourselves. And now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. The savior of the world chose that woman at that well with all of her mess. Can you imagine that moment? The, the woman that no one would associate with is now transformed because the one chose to associate with her. That's so convicting because that same power is inside of us. Look what happens in this text. The woman, she, 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 the woman, she came to a well, right? Thirsty. With an empty bucket. And then verse 28, it says that the woman left her bucket beside the well, and she ran back to the village telling everyone, Jesus chose to use this woman who would carry the living water to transform that entire region of Samaria, and she didn't need a bucket anymore because she was the bucket. And that is good news. I want to share something as I wrap up that God revealed to me while studying and preparing for this message. And it's why I love God's word. Because I can come back to the same text that I've seen hundreds of times, but in a different season with different circumstances, and God uses his word to speak a brand new thing to my heart. During the time that Jesus is making his tour stop in Samaria, religion and the religious leaders had quarantined the people of Samaria. Said, this is where you can stay. This is where you belong. Religion said, nope, we don't go there. Stay away from them. An entire people group, the religion said, nope, we don't go near them. We don't, we don't hang out with them. Who have we quarantined? I know I've done it. And maybe I'm the only one. Fine. It was just for me, Jesus. On the west side of Cincinnati, traditionally a conservative Christian worldview, are there people that we have quarantined? based on fears, judgments, stigmas, based off of lack of relationship and understanding, things that, that we may not even agree with, but we go along with because that's the way it's always been. That's what's been passed down from generation to generation, and I've never been more convicted of this than I am right now in this moment in my life that the good news is for all people, but we're not going to all people. 
Too often as a church, we're waiting for them to get their lives together and start to talk like us and start to do like us and start to live like us and then, and then come to us. Then all are welcome. Come as you are. Do you see the inherent dysfunction in the come as you are? We're supposed to go. More than 2,000 years later, we're still going around Samaria. Doing whatever we can to avoid the uncomfortable places. Avoiding people groups that are different than us. And that isn't good news. Jesus shows us a different approach. God, give us a new heart. Give us your heart. He goes straight into Samaria. He breaks the quarantine. And he scandalously shows us what good news looks like and who it is for. The disciples were shocked that Jesus was sitting with this Samaritan woman and Jesus wanted them to see that so they could be shocked out of their comfort zones and complacency. Are people shocked at who you sit with? They should be. If we're doing this thing called following Jesus correctly, the good news is shocking to those who are far from it or in need of it. Jesus shows us who we, his people, should be in relationship with. Who we should be carrying the living water to. Who we should be sitting with before we can stand with the king. We are called to sit with the oppressed. We're called to sit, to build relationships with the broken and the hurting, with the marginalized, with those who have been silenced, to sit with those who have been devalued until they become we. We have work to do to make the good news good news for all people let's pray Jesus I thank you that you show up at the well of every broken individual I thank you that you are a God who believes in us, that loves us, that says, I want to be in relationship with you, that I want to go on this journey, and that you invite us into that journey, that you, you call us into that. Jesus, I'm asking that, that you will search our hearts and take out any imperfection that we may have a heart that's like yours to go to the people that you've created that we will see people as your beautiful creations. Jesus, let us be known for a people that truly represents 
good news in all of our relationships, in our community, and around the world. Jesus, we need you. We love you. Amen.